All right, good evening, everyone. Uh, if it was in the afternoon, I would have said good day, but um, <laughs> alas, uh, I'll say good evening. Uh, it's great to be here. My name's Daniel, as Sarah introduced me. Um, yes, I serve at the same church with Sarah and uh, Mark, and a, a lot of, actually, I see probably about half of you on each Sunday. Uh, you'll know me as the, um, the guy who asks you to give the church your money. <laughs> so... So I'm going to preach on tithing tonight. No. Um, yeah, I, I've never personally attended Emmaus or served at Emmaus, but I live with Matthew, Matt over here, for the past almost four years now. I've served at a couple of retreats back in like 2011. Wow. I think that's before you came. That's even before Sarah came to Emmaus back in the day. So... Um, I do have history with the ministry and, um, yeah, like guys, be, just be open to receive something from, uh, through this ministry this semester because I've seen like every year just people's lives being um, really transformed and, and, you know, they might leave, but when they go back, um, they just bring something fresh and new with them back to their old communities. And, uh, yeah, so I just hope that, you know, when I, the word that I share tonight can help you on that journey as well. All right, so, um, yeah, I mean, we, we all have a story, you know, a story about where we came from, a story about where we are right now, which is, you know, Korea for us, uh, students, uh, you know, I'm still studying as well, doing my postgraduate, and there's a story about where we're heading, right, that's the future. For me, my story is that when I was growing up, I didn't really know my purpose in life. Uh, some of you might um, relate to me when I said, when I say that I was kind of good, like average good at a lot of things, but never really good at one thing. So I was kind of like an all-rounder. <laughs> so my friend who's great at sport, you know, oh, I'm going to be a, you know, a soccer player when I grow up. And my other friend who's great at like art, you know, she's going to be an art, artist, artiste when she grows up. <laughs> um, but for me, it's like, I'm not really good at anything. Like, I like sport, but I'm not that fit, <laughs> you know. I'm smart, but I'm not like, I love studying. Um, so for me, that was, that was kind of like my story, where I came from. And it kind of means that you have a lot of options. I had a lot of options, like, oh, I could do this, oh, I could do that. Um, you know, my grades are good enough to do a range of things, but I didn't really know what I, was, what I wanted to do. I didn't know what I was meant to do. You know, so you just kind of lost. You just don't have that direction. And so some of you, you know, some of you are nodding. Some of you may kind of be in a similar place or you've been through a similar period of your life. Um, and you've come to this point where you've just kind of followed the pathway. So I went to school. I studied well. I did uh, a law and finance degree because that's what Asians do if you can get good enough <laughs> marks, right? And then I got to the point where I'm graduating. I'm like... Like, what next? Okay, I guess I'll apply to do an internship at a, at a law firm because that's what you're just meant to do. But it wasn't really what I was passionate about. It's not really what I wanted to do. And um, so you might be asking yourself that question, like, what's coming next? And a lot of people might be asking you that question as well. So what are you going to do after college? Right, you're probably like, Sick of hearing that, especially for like you know seniors and things like that. You are sick of hearing like, 
I'm sorry because I ask that question all the time on Sunday. <laughs> I don't know what else to talk to you guys about. What are you going to do after college, right? <laughs> I think I asked Valerie the other day. <laughs> um, and you might say, like, I don't know. You might be honest. Or you might say, I want to keep my options open, which is kind of code for saying you have no idea, but you don't really want to admit that. It's when you don't want to admit that you have no idea, but you kind of say, I'm just, keep my, I'm just keeping my options open, right? And options are great. That freedom to choose, to change your mind, um, like that's something that we value. You know? It's something that we actually can put a financial price quantity on in like the stock markets. But when you have unlimited options and nothing to guide you, then it's no longer a feeling of freedom, of like, wow, I can do so many things. But instead, for me at least, the weight of that decision became actually a burden. That freedom turned into anxiety and worry about the unknown. Like, am I going to make the wrong choice? I, I, I feel just so lost and stuck. So if freedom isn't about being able to do literally anything that you want to do, then what does it mean to be truly free? How can we have that peace and rest in our souls? Like being, being at peace with where life is taking you, with what the next step might or might not be. I cannot solve your life problems. I'm sorry. I cannot give you all the answers tonight. But what I want to do is point you to the one who can. Okay? So we're going to turn to the scriptures. We're going to turn to the Bible. Uh, so that's where a lot of life's answers are contained. We're going to go to the book of Matthew, which is the first book in the New Testament, about three quarters of the way down. Uh, we're going to turn to chapter 11 and verse 25 to 30, the last, um, the last paragraph in the chapter, I think. Okay, so I'll just read, and you can follow along in your Bibles. Verse 25, it says, At that time Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart, lowly in heart, not lonely, <laughs> and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay, let me just quickly pray for us, and then we'll get into the Word. Uh, Father, we thank you, God, that you are the God who uh, knows us and loves us and that through Jesus you want to give us freedom and um, the fullness of life. Uh, you created us for a special purpose, for a special reason, and you want us to know what that is so that we can have a really fulfilling life. So I just pray that this word would just help us um, understand what it really means to be free and also how we are to really tap into that, how we are to find that through Jesus. So we just thank you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're going to just look a little bit at the context of the Scripture so we can understand a few of the like more older references. 
So if you look at verse 29 and 30, you'll find a word there that uh, reads as yoke. So can everyone say yoke with me? Yoke. Yoke. All right. So I'm going to give you a few examples of what a yoke can or cannot be. You get that? So you see that? So at, a, at one of my um, Bible study groups, we actually looked through this, and I asked my group, what, what does yoke mean? And one person actually said, the yellow part of an egg, which is perfectly understanding. You know, if you've never really, you know, had a Bible study and you just hear the word yolk and you just think of egg yolk. Like, I don't know how they made sense of it. Like, take my yolk upon you and learn from me. <laughs> For I'm gentle and lonely in heart. <laughs> um, so obviously this is not what Jesus is referring to. How about the second, the second one? Did anyone have this in mind when they heard the word yoke? Yeah? So I think like some people like, this is actually, this is a yoke. Uh, it's one designed for humans to carry buckets of water. Uh, not commonly in use in Korea, but um, <laughs> a, legitimate, a legitimate understanding of the term. But the third one, which is the one that we are seeing Jesus use, is closer to this. So you see... A yoke is the wooden thing that connects these two oxen together and together they plow straight lines into the field which you put seed in, then you cover over it and then um, when the rain comes, the, the crops start coming up. So it's like an agricultural tool. So that's what the yoke is. Okay, so <clears throat> I'm going to come back to that later but I just wanted everyone to be on the same page uh, so you weren't thinking about eggs when I was talking. Okay. So what is the context of Matthew 11? Like, where is this at in the whole story of Jesus? Um, so in this point, Jesus' ministry and popularity is on the rise. So he's like the shooting star. He's trending up and up in the neighbor searches or, you know, whatever. Um, but, but actually, his ministry is not what people were expecting. Okay? An example of this is that in the chapter before, in Matthew 10, John the Baptist is hearing about everything Jesus is doing. And John the Baptist was the one who said that, oh, Jesus is coming, the Messiah is coming. So John hears about it and then sends a message to Jesus through his followers, John the Baptist's followers. And he says, are you the one who was prophesied to come? He's actually questioning, like, actually, are you, are you the right guy? And it's because he was expecting someone to come overthrow the Roman Empire to establish the new kingdom of Israel. That's what the Jewish people were thinking about. But instead, Jesus, we read, is the guy who says, I am the bread of heaven. Eat me. I am the living water. Drink me. Right? I am the truth, the way, the life. Very different to this king, this conqueror that they were expecting. And I think we see a little bit of that in our passage today. So we know that Jesus says, um, he declares to his people, like, uh, God has anointed me. He's uh, chosen me to bring freedom to the captives, freedom to the oppressed. So we know that Jesus is all about freedom. But then we read here in verse 28 and 29, okay, I'm going to give you rest, like freedom. Now take my yoke. Does, like, just remembering what the yoke kind of looks like, something that goes around your neck, like that, does that image evoke tones of freedom? Not, like, 
would you like to be yoked to me for the rest of your life, Matthew? <laughs> I'm pretty sure you wouldn't. That does not sound like freedom for either one of us. You want, we want to be yoked with another woman. <laughs> that doesn't sound like freedom. It doesn't sound like rest. But Jesus, He is the one who brings freedom. So this pu- must be part of that puzzle. This yoke is a part of the freedom that Jesus brings. So how does that work? What is the freedom that Jesus brings? Okay, first I'm going to just talk about what it isn't. Okay, what it isn't. Okay, I'm going to use my like philosophy elective that I did about five years ago. The libertarian, ooh, the libertarian freedom of the postmodern world is not the freedom that Jesus offers. So what I mean by that is the do what you want, be the person what you want to like who you want to be. Don't care about other people. It's just about you. Make yourself happy. That type of freedom is not the freedom that Jesus is offering. And I think a lot of the times we use the same word freedom, but we're actually meaning different things. Even Christians use the word freedom thinking about that more worldly definition of freedom. And they say, Jesus sets you free. And they're thinking, okay, now I can do whatever I want. But then we say, well, no, you have to still pay, uh, pray. Wow. (laughs) Pray and pay your tithes, please. Um, (laughs) I need to change my job. (laughs) Uh, You need to be a part of a church community. You know, you need to limit yourselves in certain ways that, you know, follows the way of Jesus. Like, that's what we're talking about as a Christian. But then if you have a different idea of freedom, then you're like, whoa, like, Jesus, why are you cramping my style? Like, I thought I was meant to be free to do whatever I want. Okay, so that's not the freedom that Jesus is really um, talking about here. And if you think about it in one sense, we live within a society. We live in a community. We live with other people. So to have this laissez-faire libertarianism, is that correct? <laughs> Philosophy major, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's actually, I think it's actually a sort of illusory freedom. Because by imposing your freedom, you're actually impinging and restricting other people's freedoms. So if I want to do this, that means that person can't do that. So really, in reality, it's, it's not a... It's not a logical, consistent concept that we can carry about what freedom is. We have to learn how to live together. And that sometimes that means to restrict our own freedom, right? We can't have this idea of this unlimited freedom. But just who we are, whenever someone tells us not to do something, I don't eat that chocolate bar, Matthew. What is, like, what is our usual instinct? I want to eat that chocolate bar, <laughs> right? I didn't even want, I didn't even like chocolate, but I want to eat it. And I think it's because, again, we value that optionality. We value the, the right, the choice to be able to do something or to not to do it. You know, to not be locked into this set pathway. Um, but to be able to change our minds whenever we want if we think that other option is going to make us happier. 
right? We value that. We think that's valuable for us. And um, honestly, if you compare life to the past, like think about two generations, a hundred years ago, it's actually, it is a good thing that we can have a choice to do something different with our lives. Because if you think about back in the day, like Mr. Robert Wood, cutting wood because his father was a lumberjack and then you know, he became a lumberjack and his son's going to be a lumberjack and he doesn't even like cutting wood. But back then, the way society was, is it was kind of like more of like a narrow stream which just took you down this path of life that you couldn't do anything about. Right? Back in the days, that's what life used to be like. And so in that sense, freedom, like options are a good thing. But when I think about the world we are in today, instead of like this narrow stream, this like brook, it seems more like an ocean of endless possibilities and opportunities and choices and options. Like even you guys being here on exchange, you know, a hundred years ago, who would have been even able to have that choice, that option to do it? Only the, the rich, the elite of society. But yeah, the problem is when those options are not accompanied by value systems, di- guiding culture, directions on what, how to choose, what to do, because of today's sort of culture of that postmodern relativistic um, society, all the previous value systems of the, our fathers and our grandfathers' generation, they're just being stripped away. And you're just told, just you decide what you want to do. It's up to you. Right, And that's sort of what left me in this place of feeling you're just sort of lost at sea in the middle of this huge ocean with no markers telling you where you're meant to go. Okay. So, yeah, the, that definition of freedom that the world offers, I feel like that's not what Jesus is talking about, and I don't think it helps us. And I think the situation we find ourselves today is that that freedom of unlimited possibilities, it actually um, leads you to a place of feeling actually trapped and burdened just by that, because you, you have nothing to help you and guide you. So, Let's, uh, turning back to the word, uh, let's look at what is the freedom that Jesus is offering us. I'll read, verse, I'll read verse 29 and 30 again. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So contrary to the world's idea of freedom, the freedom that Jesus offers is a freedom with constraints, but also with purpose and direction. And this analogy of the yoke actually helps us understand um, how that's possible. So, uh, looking at, actually, can we get that last, the third picture up again? That might help to see what it, Jesus is talking about. So, we have two beasts yoked together. And actually what the farmers would usually do is one would be an older, more experienced beast who had already received the training from the father in how to do a straight line. And this one, the other one, would be like a younger 
oxen who, was, who had never done this before. And you, they would usually put two together. Why is that? If you put two young oxen together, they have no idea. So they end up just like... like they, there's no guiding direction. They just do what they want to do. If you... I mean, if you did two older ones, I think they would still do the same job. But... <laughs> I think it was more efficient to train one while they were doing the work so you didn't have to spend time training two new oxen together, right? Um, so there would be one older experienced one, the one younger one that's, that's untrained, and this one would actually teach and guide the other oxen how to do a straight line and do their work properly and get where they're trying to go. So the image of the ox... The image of the yoke, sorry, the image of the yoke here is not one of like slavery and submission, right, where you're bound, but it's actually being linked with someone who can guide you, someone who has authority, wisdom, understanding, who can actually teach you and lead you through your task, your life, right? Actually, they said they can sort of, as they're together, the young, the young one can actually feel the authority of the older ox and learn how to obey the commands of the master, the farmer, by seeing what he would do. And I think similarly we read in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, a book later in the Bible, the Apostle Paul, who was one of the founders of the church, he writes that when we follow Jesus... Yes, we are now freed from all rules and regulations to being accepted by God. But that doesn't mean we can just do whatever we want to do. Our freedom should be constrained by love. We should, be, uh, we should limit our liberties in order to help and love other people. So this idea of freedom being under constraint is actually very key to the Christian message and a key to how we can live our lives um, yeah, with that freedom in our spirits as well, not just with our choices. And so when our freedom is really guided by the way of Jesus, when we yoke ourselves with Jesus and we let him guide us, and we let him give us purpose and direction, then that feeling of being lost at sea, drifting in the waves, the currents just taking you this way and that, I feel like that's the beginning of um, that place of you feel like you're starting to move forward. And even if you don't know exactly where you're going, at least you know there's someone next to you who's guiding you, who is in control. He's not being tossed here and, for, here and there by the waves. You know that he um, is in control of all creation. And I think something really important is that, again, it's not that idea of like constriction and submission and slavery because it's about having a relationship with Jesus. So I believe that when you grow in experience and wisdom to a point, um, if you continue that analogy, like you can start teaching other people how to, how to walk that way, but also you can partner with Jesus together. There's an idea that you, have, you still have choices and options, but Jesus just helps you decide and narrow the field down so you can do it with more freedom in your heart. Uh, just 
I'm just going to close things up now, but I just want to leave you with one sort of disclaimer, one caveat. Yes, we find freedom uh, by resting in Jesus and coming under his yoke, following him. Um, But that doesn't mean you escape facing the difficulties of life. Okay? Just because you're following Jesus, it doesn't mean your life's going to be perfect. And he says that in the... uh, in the passage, that he, he's going to lead you, he's going to guide you, but he's not going to necessarily stop you from having to f- go through all those things. I want to use one more example just to help illustrate this. And it does involve an egg. <clears throat> Can you see this? So it's a chicken, a chick hatching out of the egg. So we're going to face the difficulties of life, the ups and downs of life that will leave us feeling battered, weary, and bruised at times. But it's actually necessary to help you grow. Jesus lets you go through that. God lets you go through that. Sometimes he leads you through those periods because he wants to strengthen you as a person, in your character, and also as a believer in your faith. And this is relevant because... Do you see this little white thing? It's called an egg tooth. It's what the uh, chick uses to hatch out of the egg. So the first thing is, um, there's a, I guess this common like advice for the development of the chick. You should not help the chick break out of the egg. Why? Because this process of breaking out of the egg itself strengthens the chick and helps it survive outside of the egg. So if you actually break it apart and let it get out without struggling for itself, it will actually not have developed the strength it needs to survive, and most likely it will die. Okay, so first thing is that struggle is important for our strength, for us to be built up. And the second thing is this little egg tooth. God, when he created the chick, he, he equipped it. He gave it what it needed to break out. He didn't just leave it by itself like, if you break out, that's great. You live. If you don't, oh well, you know. There's a million more chickens in the world. <laughs> Apparently, the egg tooth, first of all, it pops this little air sac at the bottom of the egg. So when you break open an egg, sometimes you see like there's a little um, empty bit at the, at the top right. It breaks that open, and that oxygen actually gives it the strength it needs to push and break the rest of the eggshell with the egg tooth. Fascinating. Fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> So, I want to leave you with this, that we will go through tough times in our life. And that's not the point of Christianity, to avoid that. But it's because we are yoked with Christ, not only will He strengthen you through these trials, He will give you the strength to go through it, and He'll also equip you, give you what you need to break through, overcome, and break into the other side, to reach the other side, and to really go to a a next level, to a new season of your life, uh, stronger, wiser, you know, with greater faith, um, greater intimacy with Him. So for me, my story, it changed when I met God in a new way about six or seven years ago. Um, I'd grown up with the God, with the God, I'd grown up with God, (laughs) I'd grown up with God, and church all my life, but I didn't really know him close, intimately. 
But then when I began to walk with Jesus after that time, I could now hear His voice guiding me, uh, encouraging me, strengthening me. All those things I felt happening to me once I, I guess, yoked myself with Jesus. Uh, and that's why I'm here now, um, doing sort of ministry, doing a pastoral work, missions, things like that. For me, I feel like that's my purpose. That's where God's taking me. And there is still a lot that's unknown in my life. Like, I'm not sure what I'm going to do after I finish my, um, my master's. But I know that my purpose uh, is with Christ. I know He's given me a purpose. And in my soul, I have that freedom, that, um, that peace to really pursue it, knowing that I'm being guided by Him, the one who made me. So I want to just finish by reading the passage again with a different translation. And I think it's contextualized into modern language. So I'm hoping that will help you really um, hear Jesus speaking to you like, like He's here today. I might get Mark to just come up. Uh, so this is from the Message Translation. Uh, verses 28 to 30 read, Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So just as we finish tonight, yeah, I want to just in- extend that invitation to you to come to the one who created you. He's the one that knows you inside out. He knows you best. And he can teach you how to live a life that is truly free and fulfilling. Yeah, so we'll just have a time of prayer.